Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm excited to be joined today by Angela Blanton, Vice President and Chief Financial Officer at Carnegie Mellon. Welcome, Angela. Thank you, Megan. Glad to be here. Well, 2020 has certainly been a wild ride thus far. Angela, let's start out today. If you could go back to this time last year and teach yourself one thing, what would that thing be? Uh, uh, I would say resilience and patience. Um, it had been, it has been quite interesting, obviously going through this time of shifting so quickly to completely transitioning, uh, straight to remote work and just trying to bring the organization forward to be concerned about their well-being. I've been placing a lot of focus on that particularly as we go into the winter months, because people may not have that ability to uh, be outside of their homes because the the weather will be different. So I am becoming even more concerned about people's well-being. So I would would definitely say it's, you know, just patience and um, understanding for people. And what's happening at Carnegie Mellon right now? Are students back full time? Are they doing anything in person? Is it all online? Yeah, so we we're we're uh, executing a hybrid model. So we have some students that are um, actually in Pittsburgh, some students taking classes in person, some obviously online, and then we have some people obviously that have decided to stay at home and, and are their their uh, their education is being delivered remotely. So we have a hybrid model that seems to be working quite well, at least at the start of campus. We're doing pretty good. What issues do you think will most impact the way colleges and universities conduct business in the next 10 years? Even pre-COVID, there was a concern with the demographic shifts in college-going students, as well as projections that we will have fewer prospective students due to the low birth rates during the 2008 economic downturn, what people are terming as trough of 2026. And then now on top of that, we have COVID. And, and this is the largest disruption to education in our history. And, you know, when you think about it, much has been written about the anticipated changes to prospective student domestic pool size and demographic makeup. Um, so there will be a large reduction of uh, prospective students coming in the decade ahead, you know, even noted by Graw in his higher education demand index, he forecasts a 15% drop in four-year college-going students in the late 2020s. So now we will also be confronted with the challenge of the poorest being hit the hardest by COVID. They will likely have the least amount of resources available to catch up, and the gap between high and low-achieving students will become even larger. So there will be long-term impacts of underprivileged students and their ability to enter and succeed in post-secondary education. So, you know, when we we think about the environment of, of our higher ed institutions, uh, the, cru- the recruiting behavior may change because the competition in the market for students seeking enrollment, and as a result, institutions will need to consider new markets and adopt different ongoing recruitment stat- strategies, and financial aid certainly will be a major factor as the market is disrupted and there are fewer students and more students who have need. 
Just a couple of considerations here, not even including the whole COVID crisis. So um, thank you for laying that out for us. So another challenge I've heard in terms of um, higher education is the next generation of higher education leadership. So Angela, how do you think that current CBOs can best prepare or develop that next generation, especially given the growing desire to diversify the field? When I first came into my position at CMU, this was an area I, I focused on significantly, and that's employee develop, development and engagement. Because from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint, that is just as relevant. Um, and people are our most important resource. So it's really, really important in the competitive landscape today to attract and retrain the best and the brightest employees. Um, so one of the things that uh, I've been doing, for example, uh, from an employee development standpoint is we are enhancing the skills of our employees through Lean Six Sigma training. I thought that when I came to the institution, I wanted us to get to gain this, this skill set and this muscle of challenging the status quo and really to look at our processes differently. So we've been putting several people in our organization through that to, to again, challenge the status quo. Another area that we've been focusing on is developing leaders through our leadership programs that are offered the university where they get exposure to individuals outside of the finance division. So they have a better perspective and a broader perspective of the institution at large, and they can really see how they fit. And then they can obviously develop relationships across the campus. And then certainly with our high-performing employees, we want to provide those stretch uh, those stretch opportunities to keep them engaged and keep them developing and growing. Um, another thing to create a more fun work environment, um, one activity that we do is this cookie, cookie crawl that we do around the holiday season. And now there is some serious competition on the best floor <laughs> decorations. So that's been really, really fun. And, and when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, we've done a lot of work over the last uh, several years, as I mentioned, to try to address um, um, the, the environment and engagement of employees. But to further enhance our efforts, and certainly in coordination with the rest of the university, we recently embarked on developing a diversity, equity, and inclusion plan that leverages, you know, like I said, some of the programs that we've been doing over the last several years. But now we are placing even more focus on developing programs and opportunities that promote persistence and sense of belonging, appreciating the unique qualities and attributes of individuals and ensuring our employees see our employees see that their opinions count. And you know, to measure some of this progress, this is my third year of using Gallup to try to track how we're how we're how we're performing on the level of engagement, which you know Gallup you know, amongst other institutions is just one way that we can uh, use to measure that at the at, within the finance division. So let's talk now, not only to CBO listeners, but to any listeners who are considering a CBO role as their next career move. Angela, given all of the challenges you've just talked about, what would you say are the top three skills or attributes that are most crucial for CBOs in today's higher education landscape and maybe just projecting forward? You know, what will be most important? Yeah. And, and, and considering the pace of technological change, we've got to keep pace with it because it's not going to slow down. So um, something that I think is really, really valued in a, in a trait that we should all try to make sure that we're acquiring, or at least we, we manage the blind spot if, that, if it's not there, is intellectual curiosity. We have to have continuous growth. We have to stay uncomfortable. When you're uncomfortable, you're really learning. Um, so it's important for me to read, to talk to my peers, their employees, other peers, uh, attend forums, uh, certainly. But, you know, something else that I do, obviously, I came from um, the, the, the for-profit sector. So I still keep in touch with CFOs on the other side to make sure that I can stay fresh and abreast of things that they're doing, just to, again, keep that uh, different perspective and more diverse perspective in the CFO role. 
Another item that I think is a, is a significant one is taking risk. Fail fast, learn, learn quickly. And, and make sure to try things that are outside your comfort zone because I think that varied experiences help to uh, create help help you to be a more creative problem solver. And when I think back, one of my first experiences in combining my engineer and finance disciplines was at PPG Industries, where I was the first person in finance to apply lean manufacturing principles to finance business processes. So certainly there's a lot of trial and error, but by the third project, you know, I was just able to establish a framework of how to approach business processes in a methodical way so that we can, we could uh, obviously benefit from the streamlining and, and the, the definition of efficiencies that we were able to gain. And the third one I would say is serving others. You know, um, I think this became more apparent to me um, as I was departing from from PNC. And then certainly as I went to an institution that is more mission-driven. And um, I think that being able to serve others, people follow leaders whose authenticity they trust and who they believe put the interest of others before their own. So to me, a servant leader is able to rally the hearts as well as the minds. So being committed to the growth of others you know, help and invest in in employees, in helping employees build their career path. Uh, being authentic, don't compromise integrity and be genuine. And then being vulnerable, have the courage to admit and confront your own weaknesses. I, you know, I really, be- I truly believe that when you know your own blind spots, you can find others to help fill those blind spots for you. So it doesn't have to be, you know, a deficiency. It can actually be a strength. And then if I can just add one more, Megan, Please. just one more. Um, uh, the other one that, you know, the fourth one I think is is really important. And again, it was something that I really had to lean on when I came to higher ed is leading through influence. Um, I had first learned this when I was in the project management office at PNC, where I was doing a lot of different projects. People didn't report directly to me. So I had to exercise and really get proficient at this muscle. And it has significantly benefited me as I started my role at CMU. Um, you know, I, di- I wasn't as familiar with the institution or higher ed. So I had to reach out to my peers, the deans, the faculty, the students, you know, people at various levels across the university. And you know, I just took the time to listen to the pain points. You know, I had to solicit allies and to really create and uh, an, an, an elevated sense of teamwork and collaboration. And I think as a result of that work, um, the finance division is realizing su- su- successful outcomes. And not to say that we're not, we don't have shortcomings, but we're transparent about it. And I think that this approach has really helped our division gain more credibility and trust across campus, which has been instrumental in the great work that we've done in partnership with our campus, our campus partners over the last several years. Well, you just talked about failing fast. So this is the question that everyone loves on the show. So thinking back on your career, Angela, and this can be in the private sector or in the, in the, at the higher education level, but tell us about what you would consider to be your most fabulous failure and what you learned from it. And here we're just looking for, you know, what's a great lesson that you learned? Yeah, it it was a very painful failure. Fabulous and painful, I have to say. Um, but early in my tenure as CFO, um, I was presenting in front of the board to, you know, our full board of trustees. And one of the trustees commented that, you know, during the presentation that I wasn't providing the information that he felt that was important. So certainly that gave me an understanding that I wasn't understanding my audience. Um, You know, uh, the majority of our board members are from the for-profit sector, or they may not be as familiar with how we, you know, higher ed, you know, accounting and how we look at things. So that really taught me that I had to go back and think about my audience and how could I translate this information to them so that it was more um, digestible. 
So I had to push away the fund accounting terms. I had to let go of the, you know, the buckets that we talk about and institutional funds and, and all that jargon. And I had to talk in a language that they could understand. And uh, that was a huge lesson. And, and yeah, I took that, that uh, the next couple of months and, and devised and developed some presentations, uh, formats, and then also uh, an outline of a pre-read that we provide to the board, worked with some of my board members to get their feedback, and it was a much better meeting. The next meeting, even, uh, you know, we had one of our consultants sit in, in one of our board meetings, and they were shocked at how corporate uh, the presentation appeared to be, you know, as I went through, um, you know, one of our finance uh, committee meetings after that. But definitely a lesson learned that I had to learn my audience and I had to understand them and how the imp- and turn the information so it was more digestible by them. Well, and to your point about being vulnerable, you know, you had the humility to kind of dig into that problem instead of just getting personally offended um, and walking away and just c- continuing to do the same thing. So that's a great lesson. I love that. Well, Angel, thank you so, so much for sharing just a little bit of your insights and experience with our listeners today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Megan. It's been it's, it's been a great time. You can find out more about Angela in today's episode by visiting the education section, then click podcasts of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks and Apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Angela and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks.